You're listening to More Than Talk, where each week we speak with faith-filled individuals who are influencing the world around them. As you hear their story, we know that you'll not only be inspired, but you'll be challenged to do more than just talk. Hi, I'm Rebecca Pratt, and today I'm hosting Alina Roman. Alina has been working and training as a doctor in Melbourne for nearly 10 years. She is currently completing specialist training in obstetrics and gynaecology and is particularly interested in the complexity of managing high-risk pregnancies. Alina has accomplished so much over the years, however, the path hasn't exactly been straightforward. There was a time in Alina's life where she found herself at a crossroads, not knowing which path to take. When it comes to our own life, we can find that there are so many corners to turn and opportunities to take a hold of that it can leave us somewhat confused. In our conversation today, Alina shares the journey of how she discovered the path that God had for her and the insight she gained along the way. If you are currently at a crossroads and seeking clarity, then this episode is for you. So wherever you are, why don't you join me as we hear Alina's incredible story. Please enjoy the podcast. Alina, welcome to today's episode. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Paigey. You are a well of wisdom and I cannot wait to dive into this conversation and hear your story. But before we get into things, why don't you share a bit about yourself? Um, well, well, clearly my name's Alina. Um, I, uh, where to start? I was born overseas. I was born in Romania um, and moved to Australia when I was little, when I was five Mm. Um, I grew up in Melbourne, have always lived in Melbourne. Um, I was born and grew up in a Christian family um, and I guess I'm a doctor. That's probably a good place <laughs> to start as well. Um, I have a sister. All the usual things. Yeah. <laughs> I just realised you called me Pagey before. For um, our community that don't know, before my last name was Proud, it was Paige. And so Alina and I have been friends for many years and that's why she called me Pagey. When we were emailing a few weeks ago, Alina, you sent through some of your hobbies and I just have to read this section um, of the email out because I thought it was so good and I could just tell that you were literally typing everything that was coming to mind. So you said your hobbies are one, tie-dyeing, I'm obsessed at the moment, two, COVID cooking, like everyone else in the world, I've made banana bread, three, listening to Tim Keller's sermons and Brene Brown, four, clothes, I really like clothes, looking at them, sewing them, buying them, (laughs) five, going to the movies, I love it, I don't have Netflix, maybe I should get Netflix, (laughs) six, music, you know, really standard stuff, I don't have like an ability to sell yachts or anything, oh, people, that's another thing, I love people talking to them, meeting them, learning from them. I think I'm an extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved reading that section. It absolutely made my day. Look, tie-dyeing is actually really popular right now. You know, when we went to Mm. buy the tie-dyeing stuff, I said to my friend, maybe you should call ahead and see if they've got any left. And he was like, this is so stupid. I'm not calling ahead. And when we (laughs) went there, there was none left. It was like completely sold out it's really popular i'm telling you yeah and so is material at the moment with all the mask making oh yes all the material spotlights all sold out well so alina you mentioned that you're a doctor what type of doctor are you um so at the moment i'm training to be an obstetrician gynecologist so i look after um women and uh, pregnant women Mm. and babies 
before they're born and immediately after they're born and then after that the paediatricians take over. Um, so I'm in my fifth year of six years of training, but um, wow. yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> Nearly done? <clears throat> well, not really. I have just okay. um, signed up to um, subspecialty training, so it's a bit confusing, but I'm going to be a specialist within a specialty. Um, mm. So I'm signing up to be a maternal fetal medicine specialist, which is quite a complex way of saying that I look after complex pregnancies. So mm. um, if like a woman has a disease in pregnancy, like um, rheumatoid arthritis or Crohn's disease or a cardiac condition or something, or if a baby mm. has a problem, um, obviously their care becomes a bit more complicated. So um, that's another three wow. years of training from <laughs> next year. <laughs> so, yes. yes. And what led you to wanting to become a doctor? Um. I think I always knew that I was going to be a doctor. Um, wow. I remember knowing from primary school, I, I don't know if you remember, this is a very um, 90s cultural reference, but the Life Education Van with Harold. Um, yes. yes. Did it have a giraffe on the front? <laughs> yes. Or a, a giraffe puppet? Yes. So it's like, yes. I don't know if that's a really good foundation <laughs> as to why I became medicine because of a weird caravan with a giraffe puppet. But I think um, it wasn't you know, Harold himself that inspired me. But I think that's when I was first introduced to kind of biology mm. and science and I loved it straight away. And then in high school, wow. I really liked maths and science and I kind of just wanted to know everything about science. But um, I, like we've talked about, I did do like um, that interaction between science and people, like applying science to people is mm -hmm. so directly, is just like uh, so amazing. So um <clears throat> That's kind of how I always, like, yeah, I always knew. Um, and then I guess, uh, yeah, you finish high school and you, you know, there's all that pressure on the enter score or the ATAR or whatever it's mm. called now. But I didn't get um, the right marks. So I did biomed first. Um, but mm -hmm. even throughout my biomedical science degree, I always knew that medicine was what I was going to do. So I ended up mm. doing medicine at Melbourne. And then, mm. yeah, the rest is history, wow. I guess. And now the process of becoming a doctor and training to be an obstetrician and gynecologist wasn't a simple step for you. It wasn't the most straightforward path. And I guess this is what I would love you to speak into today, this concept of discovering which path to take. Can you share what the journey was and the process was to getting to where you are today? Um, I think, um, you know, um, uncertainty is really hard. Um, mm. And not being 100% sure of what to do next, I think, is um, really difficult. Um, so when I did medical school, um, I definitely knew that that part was right for me. But then um, I wasn't sure what sort of area to specialise in. I sort of liked everything. That was part of my issue. Um, mm. And then, um, you know, I, at first I thought I wanted to do haematology, like be a blood specialist and mm -hmm. I'd worked some time at Peter Mac and um, it was all very interesting and then I went on a um, volunteer mission trip to Mexico um, and it was a very small mm. rural hospital um, and there were some crazy times but um, I met some people there that had some midwives and um, a surgeon and they had a really interesting skill set and then I thought wow you know obstetrics and gynecology the skill set mm. that you have and the impact that you can make um, through the skill set that you're getting um, and how you're you know applying your learning to people I found more fulfilling so 
Then I started mm-hmm. doing some ONG jobs and then I was like in a bit of a crisis because I started a Masters of Theology at the same time at Ridley. And I really, mm. really liked that. So I had this sort of six to 12 month period where I was really uncertain about what to do next. Um, and I literally prayed the same prayer every single day. <laughs> I was like, God, mm. you have to show me what to do next. And you have to make mm. it so obvious because I literally have no, no idea. So I was thinking, okay, do I become a hematologist? Do I pursue ONG or kind of part of me was like well maybe i maybe this medicine thing i had gotten wrong and maybe um i wanted to be like an academic theologian which um <laughs> is quite different but um mm. i really enjoyed uh doing uh, ridley studies and i was like okay what do i do um and at the time i was volunteering for empire and i went on the empire camp um so empire is uh, our youth group at numa church for those that don't know uh, yeah, very good. Uh, and um, <laughs> on the Empire ca- Camp, um, our very own Corey Turner was preaching one of the nights and I literally was just helping in the kitchen. I wasn't like doing anything fancy. Um, mm. And I was up the back and he was um, sort of praying for people and he was like, you girl up the back with the glasses. And of course, I like looked behind me and there was no one behind me. Um, and uh, he, he said some interesting things um, and the things that have stood out was that um, – God has put a skill set, a talent and an ability inside you to bring life mm. into families. And then he kept saying to bring life, life, literally life. And I was like, mm. oh, okay. And then he said, God wants you to, uh, I want to encourage you to develop your education, develop your um, studies and the skill set God has given you. And then God wants you to be a specialist. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, So for me, that was um, really clear about what was going to happen next and Mm. what God was calling me to, despite my uncertainty. And I can't say that, you know, um, that that made me feel super certain, like, oh, yeah, sure, ONG, it's like the only thing to do. But Mm. um, it really did um, open up to me the idea that this was my calling. Mm. Um, And then um, I ended up getting an interview for the program the following Monday, and then I got on to the ONG training program. And I guess, you know, the rest was, you know, now I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. And I love hearing your journey because often life isn't as straightforward as we think. You know, so many of us assume that our life is just going to be this one straight line, but there are these corners and opportunities to take. And I guess we can just rest in the confidence that God is ordaining every step. And, you know, you mentioned you decided to become a specialist. So you took the path of women's health and becoming an obstetrician, gynecologist. How did you know that that was the path you were meant to be on? Obviously, you received this prophetic word from Pastor Corey, but then how did you actually know and how did you practically go about it? it the idea of knowing something is... Uh, is really interesting, you know. Um, mm. People talk about, you know, do you have a piece about something or do you have a hundred percent certainty? But I think when you're making big decisions about, particularly about, you know, things that change your life direction, you don't always know with a hundred percent certainty. I don't think God um, suggested ONG, or I don't think ONG came up as something mm. um, totally out of the blue, and I was forced to into a subspecialty that I didn't like. It was always something that. I was developing in the background um, that I was called out to. Mm. Um, And then you were saying about how your steps aren't always 
so straight. You know, I, I spent quite a while working out what subspecialty to do. And then, mm. um, but that all has sort of all that medical hematology training really comes into this next phase when I want to do maternal yeah. fetal medicine. So it's all really come together quite well now in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that I liked about ONG, um, you know, were really apparent to me. And so uh, that's why I sort of knew that that was something that I would be interested into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of like practical things that I did for like following the path for myself, like I really took um, my studies seriously. And I know that it's mm. easy to um, go to uni and, you know, need to make money and want to do social stuff at the same time. But I really saw that the things that were in my life, um, that they were like uh, committing to the smaller things so that you can get to the bigger things. And then I talked to lots of people who were kind of on the path where I wanted to be. I find personally I get really inspired by Mm. people around me. So um, I talked to people who were sort of ahead of me in my journey or in different parts of their journey. And I took um, people's advice um, and, you know, you find people that you resonate with, like that have a similar personality Mm -hmm. type. And so um, having those open conversations is really good. And then kind of looking further abroad um, for inspiration like from other fields like creative people or like people in leadership mm-hmm. but I prayed a lot about it you know I prayed about my feelings of uncertainty my frustrations the plans that I was making um, and I think um, it does become clearer to you what path to mm-hmm. take even if you're not a hundred percent certain and I think this was something that we've talked about in the past that idea of having peace or you know Mm. knowing a hundred percent it's not I think that might be a bit of a misnomer like I don't know that you always necessarily Mm -hmm. get that like you might get an overall peace or an overall feeling that this is where you're called to Mm. but like being called to do ONG like it's a lot of work you know I was you know part Mm -hmm. of me was a bit bummed when um Corey said you have to continue your studies I was like okay (laughs) because I knew what it meant you know it's a lot of exams Mm. and it's a lot of hard work but um Mm -hmm. yeah I think um I think working towards something being certain doesn't necessarily equate having you know a a you know a complete and utter peace about everything Mm -hmm. that's happening yeah I completely agree I think A lot of people will say, oh, you'll have a peace when it's the right path or decision. But I would say, and I think you'd agree with me, that peace isn't just sort of a feeling. It's beyond that. I mean, if we think of the Bible, when Abraham, you know, was asked to prepare for Isaac's death, his promised child, I don't think he would have felt um, a peace as such. It wouldn't have been comfortable. And Alina, you've said this to me before, but you've often said that your level of comfort is the wrong measuring stick. Can you please speak into this? I think think our natural default is to want to be comfortable. Um, You know, it's just like everyone wants to cruise. You don't want to be... Um, you don't want to be sad, you don't want to be depressed, you don't want to be working too hard, you don't want to be vulnerable because mm. it um, exposes you. And um, and so, but like every time you're called to do a big thing, of course it's going to be uncomfortable and you can take that, whether it's career. I mean, even in this maternal fetal medicine subspecialty I got on, do I have 
a certainty that that's what I'm called to. Yeah, I, I really do. But um, am mm. I comfortable about it? Well, no, I have five more exams to sit that are very difficult. I, um, mm. you know, will be working long hours. Um, I, you know, I know that the, I know that I could fail, um, but I also know that I'm called to do this bigger thing in my life. Mm -hmm. And so um, my level of comfort with, with the calling is not necessarily what I'm going to base my decision making on. And even if you think about personal growth, you know, the times when you grow the most uh, often are times of difficulty mm. because yeah. you're being stretched or even spiritually and you know, the times when you, you grow the most are often times when you are uncomfortable, whether you're pursuing mm. prayer and fasting like we've done recently. It's uncomfortable to be fasting, but, um, you know, I think the, the, the verse that I, you, you talked about Abraham, but the thing that I, I listen to a lot of Timothy Keller, this is a plug for Timothy mm, Keller, I think he's, he's amazing, but um, <laughs> he talks about um you know, deciding things and um, and decision making. And he talks about Psalm 37 that says, commit your deeds to the Lord and he will make your plans succeed. Uh, and so we haven't got a promise that uh, it doesn't say, you know, commit your plans to the Lord and they will succeed. It's commit your deeds. So the steps that you are taking, commit those to the Lord and then the bigger picture yeah. will sort itself out. That's and so, great. you know, a lot of that doesn't necessarily mean that because your plans haven't been, uh, you know, guaranteed to succeed, it doesn't, you might not get that internal comfort, mm. but, but, but knowing that you can commit um, what you're doing in, in the small will lead to, you know, the long-term mm. outcome. Yeah, I love mm. that. And Alina, you've spoken quite vulnerably with me over the years about your upbringing, which was far from comfortable. And I think it's sort of built this resilience, this incredible resilience in you and given you perspective on comfort and then it's not a measuring stick. Would you be able to share a little bit of your upbringing with us? Mm, I think um, it is tricky talking about your upbringing, um, you know, in such a public mm. um, sphere, but... I guess um, at the end of the day, it was all I knew. It was difficult on many levels. Um, I guess the basic facts, which I sort of touched on earlier, was, you know, we were displaced. We sort of were kind of refugees in Yugoslavia. We moved to Australia and um, ended up living in housing commission for a little while. I didn't have a lot of money. Mm. Um, and I started school, actually, I couldn't speak English. So <laughs> it was wow. quite a steep learning curve. Um, but then, you know, the early days, you're sort of a bit more passive in your environment. It's not like you made any um, choices. You're just, you know, um, there. And then as I got older, sort of things became practically a little better. Like we, we financially, um, the circumstances changed and I ended up going mm -hmm. to a good school. But, you know, my family dynamics were quite difficult. My parents are divorced and, um, you know, that holds you know, that also introduces a whole nother, you know, element of personal things that mm -hmm. become more difficult. Um, but I think what you're saying about building resilience is that it doesn't necessarily just come. Like if you do have difficult things in your life, I think it is important. It sounds like a, you know, a card, build the hard work of the soul. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, I think it is really important if you've experienced things or you have challenges in your life to, um, 
to work on them. Like um, I can see how things in my upbringing really clouded my perceptions of myself and my relationships with other people and my relationships with Mm. God. And so I think um, it is important to address them and you can talk to people. I'm sure you'd be open to talking to people back if Mm -hmm. they had something that they wanted to talk to you. But like Mm. even having professional help, like I saw a psychologist, not because Um, you know, I had significant mental health problems and, you know, I know there's a bit of stigma associated with seeing people, but um, I think it's important to work through things that you've been through so that you can learn from them and so that you can build that resilience. Mm -hmm. Like the resilience, like you said, you build it. It doesn't just come. And so um, I'd encourage people to do that. You know, I'm happy to talk to people too if you've Mm. had things, you know, in your life but not just psychologists like I think the idea of processing processing your processing your experiences but also your emotions mm-hmm. in the presence of God is something that has been really um, new to me but also really um, liberating and the Psalms yeah. is is all about David being mm. angry in his Psalms or being upset or being happy or you know, whatever your emotions are, processing them with God allows you to grow spiritually and take those emotions and make them something rather than mm-hmm. just venting them or stuffing them or anything else. Mm-hmm. That's directly quoted from Tim Keller, by the way. I should reference him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alina, such wisdom, honestly. Thank you for sharing your upbringing with us. And I just love seeing how God is outworking his plans and purposes in your life. And he's just taking care of you every step of the way. And I think it's really inspiring how you've responded to the uncomfortability and the challenges as well, uh, because it's not so much what we go through, but it is really how we respond. Now, one last question for you. I'm sure there are a number of people listening to this episode feeling like they are at a crossroads, so not knowing which path to take. It's quite common for people in our age bracket to question what they should be doing in life and what path they should be on. What advice do you have for someone that may be going through this or experiencing this kind of crossroads? Mm. Yes, it's a tricky one. Um, I think the number one thing is be a little bit more comfortable with uncertainty. I think like everything is so instant in our Mm. culture that the moment that we have this feeling of uncertainty, we want to like take it off by making a decision quickly. Um, And it's okay to be uncertain and to sit with the uncertainty because if you sit with it, you will find resolution one way or another. Um, But being impulsive doesn't really help you make good decisions. Um, So overall, if you are uncertain, definitely sit with it for a bit and try and work out why you're uncertain and um, where it's coming from. Then I think very practically, um, you know, spend some time uh, working out what your options are, why they're good options, Mm. why you want to do them, why you wouldn't want to do them. And then I, I think like we said before and like I mentioned before, The very practical things is be a good steward with what you have in front of you. Like, yeah, sure, like I wasn't offered a maternal fetal medicine job right at the very beginning, but, you know, I was first year biomedical science student and I Mm -hmm. got good grades and I studied. And so even if you're not at the at the end of your journey, um, be good with where like be a good steward of what Mm. you have right now. Um, then talk, talk to people, find people that you trust. And I think the most important thing when you're talking to people is, um, 
try and find people who um, are, that you respect, but also people that um, I tend to find when I want to talk to people about decisions, I find someone who's I think thinks similar to me, mm-hmm. someone who thinks very different to me, like someone mm-hmm. who's more positive than me and someone who's more negative to me. So I usually talk to about three people. Wow. And yep. I think I've done that a lot. I've done that clinically. So like whenever I've made a decision at work, but I think people often go to the same kind of person. Like you find a friend who's similar to you and all your decisions are made similar to how you would make them because they're quite similar to you. But find someone who maybe is a bit more conservative or someone who's a bit more liberal or, and then you get a really well-rounded perspective on um, the decisions that you have at hand. But I think overall, Mm. like the thing I've found in my life is that if you genuinely pray about things, God comes through. And I know it's like, doesn't sound very inspiring or it's a pretty simple message and we've heard it a million times, but um, I think it's true. Like if you genuinely ask God to show you, you might not get like the big picture, but you'll understand where to go to next. And, you know, don't put too much pressure on, you know, the next step it doesn't, the next step might not be your ultimate step, but you know, if you're making some positive steps forward, then you'll get somewhere. Yeah. Such great advice, Alina. So many gold nuggets. I feel like I just need a pen and paper to write all of these down. Alina, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I honestly have been so inspired by you since the moment we met and you are such an intelligent, strong, wise woman of God and you're making such a difference in the lives around you. And I personally am just so excited to see all the doors that are going to open up for you and God has for you in the future. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks for inviting me to talk, Paigey. Um, yeah, thanks. It's been good. You might have to call me Proudy now. Oh, Proudy. All right, sure. <laughs> oh, it's not the same. <laughs> Sorry, Jackson. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of More Than Talk. If you know of anyone that's making a difference in their world, we would love to have them on the podcast. So please message us via Instagram at more than talk underscore podcast. We also would love for you to join our community. So follow us, subscribe, leave a review and share this podcast around as we believe these stories will not only inspire, but challenge us to do more than just talk.